Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. Go with me to 1 John chapter 5. In the few moments we have left, I want to share with you how you can pray effectively for your loved ones. I want to share with you today how you can pray effectively for your loved ones. As we've talked about the last couple of weeks, we don't want just your prayer life to be a religious exercise. Well, I prayed Jesus. Well, that's great that you prayed, but we want your prayers to work. Anybody want their prayers to work? I want your prayers to work. So 1 John chapter 5, if you're looking for my notes, you'll find them in the Faith Plus app. I'll show you the link to my notes. Below it, you'll see the notes for last week. Last week, we taught you how to pray for things. And it's important because the Bible teaches you how to pray for things. But one of the things you'll notice in today's message, when you pray for people, it's different than when you pray for things. And so let's go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. We're going to look at this passage as well as James chapter 4 and dive into where we're going today. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. One of the things we see in this verse is that God doesn't hear every prayer. Anybody see that? I didn't write 1 John 5. It existed long before I was thought of. One of the things we see from this is God does not hear every prayer. Now, it's, you know, a really nice little Christmas card says, oh, God heard all your prayers. That's nice, but that may not be true. What prayers does God hear? Prayers that are according to his will. If you pray according to the will of God, God hears your prayer. And if you know that he heard your prayer, you can have confidence because you know he's going to answer your prayer. Right? We talked about this last week. Well, what is the will of God? God's word is his will. The will of God is the word of God. Come on, say it loud and put it in the chat. Say, the will of God is the word of God. One more time, say, the will of God is the word of God. So if you want to have confidence in your prayer life, because it's the confidence we have, you're going to have to get in the word for yourself. It's great to be in the word on Sundays, but you need to be in the word every day. And you have to do, as the scripture says, correctly or rightly divide the word of truth. If you can rightly divide, that means you can wrongly divide. So when you get in the word, you have to understand there are three groups of people on the earth that God has dealings, promises, and covenants with. It's what's called the nations, the Jews, and the church. The church, the Jews, the nations. Those are the three groups of people on the earth, and God says don't give offense to any of those three groups. And so when you look at the scriptures, you have to see, is this a promise for the church? Is this a promise for Israel? Or is this a promise for the nations? You have to dive into that if you're going to understand what belongs to you. In this scripture, there is the Old Testament and the New Testament. Another word for that is the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. If you are born again, you are part of the church. You're not part of Israel. You're not part of the nations. You're a new group that came from both of those groups called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in the book of Hebrews that your covenant is better than the Old Covenant because that's better promises. So your covenant has all the good of the old plus all the good of the new. You know, what makes a $20 bill better than a $10 bill? It's got the 10 in it, plus some. And so when you go to the Old Testament or the Old Covenant and you look, you'll see different promises that still apply to you, especially if it's the blessing of Abraham that you see laid out in Genesis and Deuteronomy chapter 28. Well, how do we know that applies to us? Galatians chapter 3. It says that when we became in Christ Jesus, we were made the seed of Abraham. So the promises concerning blessing Abraham and his family fall to us as well. What's a promise in the Old Testament that has nothing to do with us? That land. The land of Israel belongs to them. Not us. Not you. Say, not me. But do you know what belongs to you? The blessing. It says that 
when we think about Isaac was blessed by Abraham, right? The whole blessing that was on Abraham came on Isaac. You are as much the seed of Abraham as Isaac is. You are as much the seed of Abraham as Isaac is. You might say, well, why is that important? Isaac didn't do anything to get blessed. He was just blessed by the way he was born. When you look at Genesis 26 and God's first dealings with Isaac after Abraham had died, God appeared to him and said that I'm going to bless you because of what your father did. I will perform the oath in your life because of what your father did. In other words, Isaac, it has nothing to do with you. I'm going to bless you. God blessing you isn't even on you. Because the father and the son had a conversation and they listed you as the beneficiary. Well, Jesus said, I'll go to the cross. I will pay the price for their sin and their iniquity. I will put, get stripes put on my back so that they may be healed. I will take the curse because as cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, Galatians 3.13, so that the blessing can come on you. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. See, blessing is not a feeling. It's your state of existence. It says you're blessed, which means you are empowered to prosper. You are blessed people. You ain't a cursed people. That's why you don't speak the language of the curse. You don't agree with the curse because you are redeemed from the curse. And it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So you need to talk like you're blessed. You need to talk like you've been empowered to prosper. Well, the economy. Did Jesus say that you're blessed if the economy's right? Did he say you're blessed if there's a donkey or elephant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? He didn't say that. He says you're blessed. So that means in good economic times and bad economic times, you're blessed. It means when everything's going right, you're blessed. When everything's going wrong, you're blessed. When you're in the city, you're blessed. When you're in the field, you're blessed. When you go in, you're blessed. When you go out, you're blessed. It doesn't matter. You're blessed. And the blessing empowers you to prosper. And you have to have that mentality if you're going to live this faith lifestyle right. Go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. So when you pray the will of God, you're praying the word of God. Well, what's the first thing that the human race ever heard? Be blessed. That's the first words. Genesis chapter 1. It says God blessed them and said to them. So the first words they heard were be blessed. Blessed. God is the most intentional being ever. What God spoke over humankind then is his perfect will for all mankind. The blessing. Remember when you get to Genesis 12 when God called Abraham, he says, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And at that time, those nations represented 70 families. You see that in Genesis 10, the table of nations. And God had everybody on his mind. God didn't just want one group of people blessed. He said, I want everybody blessed. And Galatians 3 calls that the gospel. He said, well, the gospel is Jesus dying for us. That's true. Well, the gospel is Jesus being raised from the dead. That's true. The gospel is he wants to baptize the Holy Ghost. That's true. Guess what? That's all part of the blessing. The end of Acts chapter 3 says God sent Jesus to bless you. And what does it say? And turning every one of you from their iniquities. That's part of the blessing. And in the days we're in and walking into, you're going to have to know how to cooperate with the blessing of God. You're going to have to know how to walk in the blessing of God. No matter how crazy it looks around you, you have to understand that you are blessed. Isaac was so blessed, the whole economy shifted towards him. They kept running him out of places, and water kept springing in a time of famine. The whole nation said, you're too blessed for us. An entire nation was jealous of one man because of the blessing. 
the days we're in and going into, you have to understand how to cooperate with that blessing. James chapter 4 is still talking, eventually, on how to effectively pray for people. James chapter 4, reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. James is talking to church people. He ain't talking to the world. He's talking to Christians. Blood washed. Holy Ghost filled. Christians. This is one of the earliest letters of the New Testament. He's talking to believers. And so when we talk about praying for things, we said it's fine to pray for things. But the last point we ended on last week is, is make sure your motives are right. Because if you're praying for things so that you can impress somebody, so that you can keep up with everybody else around you, so you can show them that I got something going on, your motive is wrong. And that's why you're not getting what you prayed for. You have to be so confident in who God made you and your identity in Christ that whether somebody else has something you don't, it doesn't affect your value. That you celebrate when someone else is blessed. You don't get jealous like, oh, I'm so glad God blessed you. Man, I'm so glad that God did that for you. And it's not that you're, you know, the fake way of saying that. Because, you know, some people say, well, you know, I'm happy for you and mean it. And others say, I'm happy for you. But that's just the fake face they put on. You need to generally be happy for people when God blesses them. Stop praying for stuff so that you can keep up with somebody else. We talk about Mark chapter 11 when Jesus says uh, your desires or your, what you actually want. What do you want? Not because what someone else has. What do you want? Your faith works best when your faith is targeted or specific. Your faith won't work well if you don't know what you want. What do you want? And if your motive is because somebody else has it, that's not going to work. You're going to have to spend some time with God, get your heart right, and figure out what you want. Because some of you, if you're honest, like, well, I don't know what I want. And that's why you don't have it. Because you don't know. So what do you do? You take some time, slow it down, and pray. It's like, God, I know I have this need, this thing in my life. I'm not sure what I want. Can you show me? I'm going to take some time and pray in the spirit about this, and you'll show me what to do. And once you know what you want, you ask for it, and you get it. You must examine your motives. And we said this word last week, this word for pleasure, same word for lust. And when it's used in the New Testament, it's the word, same word for lust that Jesus used in Luke 8 to share one of Satan's tools to destroy the production of the word in your life. And this Greek word for lust or pleasure is always used to represent evil desires of the flesh. So it's not representing good desires or good things that you want or the things that you should want or desire. It's always used to represent the evil desires of the flesh. Now you say, well, why would you pick those two passages to start when praying for people, especially loved ones? When you pray for family and loved ones, there's usually a lot of emotions involved. Can anybody say amen to that? Either because you love and care for them, maybe because of your past with them, your familiarity with them, or other reasons. Although emotions are good in the proper place, we have to make sure that our emotions are not the foundations for our prayers. We should not pray our emotions. We should pray the will of God. So here are three questions to ask yourself when you're praying for others. Three questions. Number one, are you praying your will or God's will? Are you praying your will or God's will? This is a great one for spouses and parents. When you're praying for your spouse or you're praying for your kids, are you praying your will or God's will. Well, I just want them to do that. Well, that's great, but is that God's will? Well, I don't know why they didn't take out the trash. I don't know either, but what? Is that really what you're focusing your prayer life on? If you want your prayers for people to be effective, you need to make sure you're praying God's word, God's will, not your will. Your prayers cannot change their wills. You cannot manipulate someone into doing what's right by your prayer life. 
manipulation is witchcraft. You pray. Once you're praying, make sure you're praying God's will, God's word, not your will, not your word. So don't say, well, God, I pray that my kid grows up and becomes a doctor and goes to this Ivy League school. Well, what if that's not what God wants them to do? Why are you praying that? Well, if they do that, that means I'm set in my retirement and I got something to brag about. <laughs> Go back to those motives. <laughs> Check your motive. Well, what should you pray? Father, I pray that they know the will of God for their life and they fulfill it. And if you stay a person of prayer, God may show you what your kid is called to do, but that doesn't mean you're supposed to tell them. You may say, well, if God tells me, should I tell them? No, unless he tells you to tell them. Because if they hear from you, then they can have in the back of their mind, well, mommy and daddy called me to do this. But if they hear from God themselves, they know God called them. And when they come to you and says, hey, this is what I believe God has called me to do. This is what he created me to do. They say, you're spot on with that. You're right. And you can help them grow in that calling. Just because God tells you stuff doesn't mean you tell others. If God didn't tell you to share his secrets, keep your mouth shut. You don't share everything with everyone else. You keep that between you and God. And so if you're praying for your kids, you ask God, what is your will for their life? And once you know, you pray that out. You keep that before God. He'll give you certain things to say over them, to say about them, maybe not directly to them, but to keep before him in prayer. And that's what you have to do. If you're praying your emotions and your will, unless your emotions and will are lined up with God's plan, you will not see tremendous change. Confidence in prayer comes from praying his word, which is his will. Second question to ask yourself today. Are you praying from a place of offense? Are you praying for that family member, that loved one, from a place of offense? If you are praying from a place of offense, the foundation of your prayer will be emotional and rooted in unforgiveness. We must pray from the place of the word, a healed heart and an honest heart. James 3.16 says, for where there's envy and strife, there is confusion in every evil work. So when you go before God, you got to make sure that you're not praying for them because you're offended. Oh, God, I just wish they apologize. That'd be nice. But if you wait on an apology from some people, you may wait all your days. Is that really what you want? Or do you just really want your heart to be healed so you can move forward in your life? You have to make sure that you're not praying from a place of offense. And I listed in my notes, Psalm 42, 1 through 11, New Living Translation. I'm going to read it for the sake of time. But one of the things we see in this psalm, and we see in so many other psalms, is these psalmists come into the presence of God and pour out their emotions. They pour out their soul, which is their mind and the will and the emotions. You have to understand the presence of God is not the place for you to be fake. The presence of God is not the place for you to be fake. Now, we're used to all the different faces we put on. Just about social media, you got your LinkedIn profile. You got your Instagram profile. For those of you old enough, you got your Facebook profile. And you got different pictures and different bios for each and every one because you understand that social media arena that you're in. But when you come to the presence of God, you can take all your profile pictures off. That's not the place for all your filters. When you come before the presence of God, you remove all the filters. Too many people have changed the word of faith into the word of fake. That you go into the presence of God pretending like nothing is going on with you. Pretending like you're not holding something on the inside. Pretending like everything is good. Baby, Jesus knows you. He knows you ain't good right now. So why are you pretending in his face? Go into the presence of God and be heated if you heed it. Do you know your emotions don't scare God? Your emotions don't make God nervous. You go before God's like, God, I'm ticked off. God, I'm upset. God, I'm mad. God, I'm sad. God, I'm feeling depressed. God, I'm scared. This is what's going on with me. You pour out your thoughts. You pour out your emotions in the presence of God because the presence of God is the perfect place to process your emotions. Because as you pour out and as you process, you pour out everything before God, you realize, I'm talking to the Almighty God. He's got me. 
I remember his word. So while you're pouring out your emotions, you choose God's words. God, your word says this. Your promise says this. I believe your promise, and I choose faith. I choose hope. I choose love. And when you pray that way, you'll come out of prayer feeling strong. But when your prayer session is only whining and complaining, you don't come out strong. But when you pour out everything on the inside, and in the midst of that time, you choose faith, hope, and love. You choose to stand on God's word. You'll come out feeling stronger and emotionally healthy. There's so many people that have faith but have unhealthy emotions. You say, well, I wonder why the power of God's not working in my life. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, the control center of your emotions, and you live in a physical body. God works through you. But if your soul is not healthy, then there's a limit of how well he can work through you. Ephesians 3.20, we all love that verse. God is able to exceedingly, abundantly, far above all I can ask, think, pray, for imagine. We love to shout, run, dance, do a backflip on that scripture. But the latter part of the scripture says, according to the power that's at work in you. If you shut down the power, you don't get Ephesians 3.20. And you come up with every religious doctrine you want. But if you don't let that power work on the inside and deal with you, you're going to get Ephesians 3.20. Some of you, your problem ain't the devil. It's you. Like God's trying to work a miracle, but you're so hot-tempered, you just run off the mouth of everything. And your mouth got in the way of your miracle because you couldn't be quiet for 30 seconds. Remember, he is your shepherd. He wants to restore your soul. He wants to work on your emotions. He wants to work on your mind. I remember the old song, he's a mind regulator. Thank God that he is. He wants to restore your emotions. He wants to help your will, your desires, to make sure it's aimed in the right place. But you got to let him help you. You can't just believe everything that comes into your head. Some of you have that revelation. Let's try it again. You can't just believe everything that comes into your head because you have a habit of believing yourself above everybody else. Even if you saying something crazy, you believe you. Someone else said, oh, man, that's crazy. They lost their mind. But if you say it, you believe you. So that's why you must check what you think, what you hear, what you feel, what you believe with the word of God. So, well, I don't know where to find it. That's why you have a faith family. That's why you have a faith community. You need to have people you do life with who can tell you, no, baby, that's crazy. No, bruh, that's insane. You need to go pray a little bit longer on that one. You need to do life in the midst of community. Faith works better in the midst of community. God has not called you to be an island. Oh, well, people got issues. You got issues. You in perfect company. I don't like church coming to church because people are hypocrites. Well, that word hypocrite means actor. And we look at your life, we see you be acting too. <laughs> Why well, can't talk to everybody? I didn't say talk to everybody. Please don't talk to everybody. But some of you won't talk to people, but you post everything online. You can't have a conversation, but we put all your business online. Please, baby, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't let someone else know when your house ain't happy. You going something through something in your family, in your relation with your parents, with your spouse, with whatever, don't put it online. Keep that off of Zuckerberg's internet. You talk to people who will keep your confidence. People who will walk with faith with you and get some counsel. Walking by faith does not mean you don't get counsel or doctors or therapists. You need a therapist to get you one. That is not a lack of faith to go sit down and talk to somebody. It's not a lack of faith to go to the doctor. That has nothing to do with it because you know whether the wisdom and the help comes through a pastor, a doctor, a therapist, or wherever, it all came from God originally. I'm just trying to help y'all pray right. Because so many people's prayers aren't coming to pass because there's some junk in here that has to be fixed. And it's just really simple to pray this way. God, help me. Help my heart, help my emotions, help my mind. God, you already know what I want to say to them does not line up with your words. So help my mouth today, Jesus. 
You're not impressing God with your fake religiosity. You're not impressing God by you acting like a Pharisee. That does not impress him. You know, it talks about the Pharisee who came and prayed, and Jesus is watching them, and he's telling this story that they prayed, and the Pharisee is praying, well, I just thank God I'm not like that heathen over there, that tax collector. And the tax collector is praying, and like, God, forgive me, a sinner. But it says when the Pharisee was praying, it says he prayed with himself, meaning God was not listening to the Pharisee. But God heard the prayer of that tax collector, and it says he left justified, or he left in right standing with God, while the Pharisee prayed with himself, and God did not listen. Deal with you. You upset? Tell God. You heated? to tell him. You have a hard time forgiving? Tell him. Say, God, I forgive by faith, but help me, Jesus. Thanksgiving's coming. I'm going to see them. Lord, I do put this request in to let us sit together. <laughs> Be real in your prayer life. Talk to God about how you feel. It's not a problem to have emotions. You just can't let your emotions have you. You will mess up with your faith if you do not control your emotions. And always remember to forgive everyone of everything. Because forgiving them frees you. They can be ratchet all their days, but don't you be ratchet. They can be a hot mess all their days, but don't you be a hot mess. You know better, so you do better. You might say, well, they should know better. Well, stop thinking about what they should know and focus on what you know. And do what you know. Because I don't know how people have all this time to focus on everybody else. You focus on what everybody else is doing. And all the celebrity drama, I'm not going to say anybody's names, but you talking about, oh, I can't believe, did you hear they were a drug dealer? Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Baby, stop listening. You don't need all that junk in your spirit. You've got enough mess in your own life without taking someone else's mess because they want you to buy their book. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Guard your soul. You know, there are some things I refuse to watch, not because they're wrong to watch. It's like, I just don't got time for that. I'm like, I don't, because I, I look at some, there's certain TV shows I'll see, I said, mm -mm, that looks like work. Yeah. <laughs> I just, see, I'm a pastor, I counsel people. And there's some TV shows I said, that's six months, that's 18 months, whoo, that's two years every week. It's like, I can't, I'm not doing that to myself. That's not entertainment, that looks like work. Because, you know, I've been in ministry long enough that stuff just don't shock me anymore. I, I've seen a lot. I haven't seen everything, but I've seen a lot. I was in a barber shop sometime earlier this year, and this guy was just venting to my barber, just going off. And my barber's heard it all, but he was starting to feel embarrassed for my sake. And I was like, don't, I said, I'm just glad you were there for him. You know, he needed somebody to talk to. And the barber knows my cousin. says, dude, pastor was just so chill. He says, he counsels people. He's heard it before. So there's things I refuse to watch. It's like, I got enough to process. I don't need to process that on that show. Why? Mm -mm. And I don't watch sad movies. Why would I pay to be depressed? I ain't doing that. Well, they won an Oscar. Good for them. I'm happy for them. I celebrate them. I am not watching. I got my own soul to make sure it's healthy so I can cooperate with the plan of God for my life. You have to guard your soul. So that means you put extra rules on your life that may not be something that the Word of God says you have to do, but because you know your mind, you know your emotions, you know you, you say, I ain't doing that, I ain't going there, I ain't watching that. You say, well, I got some family members, they special. Baby, we know you special too. <laughs> but you just do, it's like, you know what, I just limit how much time I spend with them. Some you might have to love from a distance. Some of you actually might have to love in passing. So, oh, but Thanksgiving, they're going to be there. You know you ain't planning to talk. You're planning to eat. And it's a good excuse to put another macaroni spoonful in your mouth. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, right, hold on a second. Where is that sweet potato pie? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pass the fried chicken. I'm walking in love, Jesus. Keep flowing. They said, oh, they want, me to, they want me to stay longer. Just, you know, I told you all this years ago. Just blame it on me. He said, pastor needs to see me on Sunday. Pastor won't preach right unless I'm in the house, so I need to be there. Blame me. Say, my, my pastor needs to see me show up on Sunday.
And now if they say, well, we're coming with you, just bring them and just pray. It's like, oh, Holy Ghost, do a work. Do a work, Jesus. I got so many notes that I'm not going to get to today. Third question you need to ask yourself. Have you limited your prayer request by time? Have you limited your prayer request by time? Because some of you, when you're praying for your loved ones, well, God, I need you to happen by this date. What well, has to happen before they graduate? It has to happen before this. It has to happen before that. And what if it just takes them a little bit longer to get with the program? It's taking you a little time to get with the program. How long were people patient with you? Because, you know, because you guys look so churchy and good this morning. But if we just hit some rewind over your life, just a little ways back, just a little ways, you realize, ooh, they were patient with you. Oh, they prayed for you. They didn't give up on you. You didn't hit their timeline, their program, but yet they kept praying, yet praying for you. Don't limit the effectiveness of your prayer life by time. You keep praying the word of God for them, even if it seems like, oh, it's taking forever. Don't give up. Keep praying. Well, how long? Until it changes. So a few keys. Take your place in prayer. Number one, take your place in prayer. You see it in my notes, Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. The ending of the Ephesians 1 prayer, which I encourage you to pray for yourself and your loved ones every single day, is that Jesus, of course, is seated at the right hand of God far above all things. He's put all things under his feet, and we are his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So if the head is seated above, so is the body, right? So everything has been placed under the feet of Jesus, and the body of Christ, every believer, is part of that body. So when God put everything under Jesus' feet, he put it under your feet. So that problem, that circumstance, that issue that you're dealing with, it's under your feet. Say, it's under my feet. But then it reiterates it in chapter 2 that God seated us with Christ. When Jesus sat down at the right hand, you sat down at the right hand. That is your place. Because some of you are praying, it's like, oh, I hope God hears my prayer. I'm praying the word, but I hope he hears me. You're trying to think that your prayer has to go all this distance. Here's two different ways to look at it. When you're praying, remember, if you're a believer, God lives on the inside of you. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he rests upon you. Your prayer don't have to go that far. And even if you want to say, well, it's going to heaven. It is because of scriptural support for that. But in heaven, you're seated right next to him. So when you're praying, take your place in prayer. Because when you take your place far above all things, and God put everything under your feet, you see the problem as small. It's like if you're on an airplane, and you look out the window, everything looks small because of how high you are. Let the height of the authority that you've been seated in affect your perspective when it comes to the circumstances and the situations of life. So don't pray from some low-level place. Oh, this thing is overwhelming. This thing is too big for me. No, 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 no. Go sit down. Sit yourself at the throne of God because that's where you have a reserved seat. Why would you pick a low level when Jesus reserved a seat for you? Take your place in prayer. And number two, use your authority. The throne you're seated in represents the authority you've been given. You've been given the right to use the name of Jesus. That word name in the Greek means the authority and the character thereof. So when you're praying in the name of Jesus, when you're praying in the authority of Jesus, you're believing that you're going to get the same results that Jesus would get if he prayed those prayers. Putting in the name of Jesus on it is not some magic word on the end. Well, if I say Jesus, it's going to work. No, it's the release of your authority. So don't pray prayers you don't think Jesus would pray. Well, what, what prayers would he pray? Prayers that do not agree with the word of God or the will of God. So remember, when you're praying for loved ones, take your place in prayer and use your authority. And part two for right here is plead the blood. Plead the blood of Jesus over your spouse, over your children, over your siblings, over your grandchildren, over everybody in your family, your loved ones. Plead the blood. One of the things I do, I said, I plead the blood of Jesus over myself spirit, soul, and body over everything that concerns me, everything that deals with me. I plead the blood, and I draw the bloodline around that the enemy cannot cross. 
Because I understand when they physically pleaded the blood in Egypt, death had to pass over that house. Rahab, when she had that scarlet that represented the blood of Jesus, judgment couldn't come upon her house. Remember, where was her house? In the wall. Was not Rahab's house in the wall? Because remember, she let the spies go down. Now, what was the judgment? That as they walked around, all the wall fell except her house. It was a national judgment. Everything came crumbling down except the house of Rahab, who had that scarlet rope with this, a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus. That no matter what happens in the nation, when you plead the blood, it passes over your house. So just because it's going on in the world doesn't mean it has to go on in your house. You see a news report, well, this is going around, you say, not in my house. Oh, this is going around, not in my house. Oh, this is going around, not in my house. Well, my kids don't live in my house. Well, you say, well, not in their house, not in my grandkids' house, not in my auntie's house, not in my uncle's house. I plead the blood. Make much of the blood because the blood has made much of you. You've been delivered from the authority or the power of darkness, and you've been redeemed because of the blood. So you plead the blood. Before I get on airplanes, I plead the blood. Before I go on road trips, I plead the blood. I check into hotel rooms, I plead the blood. I don't know who was there before me, I plead the blood. Come on, I have an announcement that I make. I say, in the authority of Jesus, I plead the blood and everything that was of darkness, of hell or evil that was in this room before has to get out and is not allowed back in because this place belongs to me as long as I'm here and this place will minister to me. So I open it up for the angels of God and the spirit of the living God to move in this place. That's what I do. I remember one time we were traveling somewhere and I hadn't got a chance to do that yet. I'm just carrying all the bags, Right. And so my wife runs to me, did you do it yet? I'm like, do what yet? Did you clear it out? I said, no, I'm carrying bags right now. She's like, do it. There's something here. I was like, yeah, I'll handle it. I got bags in my hands. You got to understand that demonic powers are like spiritual squatters. And they will stay places as long as the church doesn't use the authority. Principalities, powers, evil might and dominion things in the heavenly they're squatters and if you let them into your house it's not because Satan was stronger than you it's because you open the door you know if you open the doors and the windows of your house and flies get in you can't get upset at the fly you will open the door squatters demonic squatters get in your house use your authority and kick them out plead the blood Still talking about praying effectively for your loved ones. You want to pray the word over them. Pray the promises of God over them. Ask God for words to say over their life. Ask him, okay, God, what should I say about this? What should I say about them? And that's what you say. And you keep it before God. You use your authority. You plead the blood and you pray the word over them every single day. One of the things you know about, you have to learn about praying for people, you got to pray for them every day. Every single day. And if God brings, you, brings them to your mind throughout the day, you take some time and you pray for them there. Because when you're dealing with people, people are making choices every single second of the day. There's so much spiritual traffic around people every single moment of the day. So that's why you got to pray for them every day. And if the Holy Spirit brings you, brings them to your remembrance, you take that time and you pray for them. You might say, oh, I can't run to my prayer closet. I didn't say run to your prayer closet. Pray for them. Well, God, I can't yell in tongues. I'm in the grocery store. Who said you had to yell in tongues? Your volume does not equal power. You can pray for them under your breath, praying in the spirit. On the inside, you ask God, I, I don't know what's going on, but I ask that you help them. And you have to have so much control of your soul, of your spirit, that you don't just break out in tongues because you feel the need to pray. You feel like you need to pray for someone, you can excuse yourself around you. I just need to go to the restroom real quick, and you go pray for them. I just need to go to my car real quick, and you can pray for them. Your spirit is subject to you. The Holy Ghost is not going to make you do something. The Holy Ghost is not spooky. Spooky people make the Holy Ghost seem spooky. So while I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, great. But he's not going to make you do something. The Holy Spirit looks for people who yield to him. 
So many people say, oh, I can't control it. Well, that must not be the Holy Ghost. Or you just have a lack of self-control, one of the two. You feel a burden to pray? You don't start groaning and travailing in Publix? In line at Starbucks? Go to your car. Pray for them there. Praise the Lord. Remember what Jesus told us in Matthew 9, 37, 38. He said, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So when you're praying for your loved ones, pray for the right people to come across their path. Now, if you got kids and youth here at this church, one of the people you should pray for every day is our children's minister and our youth pastor. Because God has a way of speaking through our children's minister and our youth pastor where they can say the same thing you said, but when they say it, it's like it came straight from heaven itself. They come home, they get in the car and say, oh, mom, dad, guess what they talked about in church today? And you're like, I've told you that a thousand times. Don't get upset, just be thankful that God finally got through. And so if you got kids or teenagers here, make sure you're praying for the children's ministers and the youth pastor every single day. Pray God grant them the right words. So that leads to the next point to ask yourself, are you praying for the influencers in your child's life? Are you praying for the influencers in your loved one's life? Their kids, their teachers, and their professors. Other people who may have their ear. You want to pray that their influencers say the right thing. And if they're negative influence, you pray that God removes them. Parents, you have to learn how to pray fake friends out your kid's life. Oh, they don't live my house. You can pray them out of their lives in college. You have to understand how your authority and proximity works. It's not proximity of location, but sometimes it's proximity in relationship. Your kids can be off at college, and you say, oh, man, I just sense that they're going to meet the wrong people. I plead the blood. God, deliver them from wicked, unreasonable men, for all men have not faith. Deliver them from their fake friends. Deliver them from dating the wrong people. You did, took all these years to train them right, but one person walks across their path and gots their eye. You need to know how to pray. You got to take your prayer life up. I didn't say take your worry life up. I said take your prayer life up. God knows how to get people out of their circle. He's got a wonderful way to do it. Pray for their influences. Pray that God removes the wrong influence from their life. Pray that God sends godly individuals to speak into their life with thus saith the Lord. Next question to ask yourself, is there a seed that you're supposed to sow? And I'm not talking about a financial seed per se. But there are times where God wants you to be a blessing to somebody else, and that unlocks a supernatural result in your life. One of the things I know I'm confident of, where all my kids are concerned, that God will always send the right person to talk to them. Do you know why I'm confident of that? Because I've been that person. I've been that person for other people's kids. I was a youth pastor. I did this, I did that. It was a seed. And so I expect that no matter where my kids are, no matter how, how, how old they get, there will always be someone who shows up and says, hey, this is what God says. I sowed a seed. And so you might need to ask yourself, God, is there a seed I'm supposed to sow? Is there somebody I'm supposed to help? Is there somebody I'm supposed to encourage? Not all seeds are financial. So remember we talk about praying for seed. Ask God, well, what seed should I sow in this situation? Because one of the things you learn is sometimes the seeds you sow unlock the supernatural results you've been praying for. Next question, ask yourself, are you fully covering the person in the situation in prayer? Because after you pray all the things you know in the word, all the things you know in the natural, sometimes you have a sensing, man, there's a lot more to pray. And as you see all the, in my notes, you got to pray in the Holy Ghost. You have to pray in other tongues. Where your loved ones are concerned, where your spouse is concerned, where your kids are concerned, where your friends are concerned, you need to take time and pray for them and the Holy Ghost. Especially if you're at the point where your emotions are involved. You just thought, God, I have a hard time saying what's right concerning this situation. So you said, Father, I lift up this person to you, and I'm going to pray about them in the Spirit. And you start praying in other tongues. You don't pray in other tongues out of fear, out of unbelief. You're just praying what it tells us in Romans 8, that anytime you pray that way, you're praying the perfect will of God. When you pray in the Spirit, you're praying out divine secrets, mysteries. You're praying out the plans and purposes of God for that person. And you need to take that time and pray it for your person, for your kids, for your family members every single day. Every day. Every day. Pray for them. And this is not just the responsibility of the prayer warriors or the pastor. It's your job. 
Pray for your kids. In the spirit. Not just the mamas either. I believe that dads should pray. Come on, there's power when the dads open up their mouth and say, not in my house. I plead the blood of Jesus. And you pray in the spirit over your kids. It's not just if the mama prays. It's not just if the pastor prays. Dads, you can pray too. He said, well, my wife prays better than me. Well, great. Good. Then he said, well, I want us to pray together. Then here's what you do. Let her pray and say amen. <laughs> it's not deep. If you have one spouse that prays better than the other, God didn't say, well, if you guys both pray together, he says, if you get in agreement. If they pray better, you just hold their hand, and when they're done, you say amen. Because you have offered that agreement. When you say amen, that means so be it. I'm in agreement. So God will count it like you both pray together. So you may be still learning and growing in your prayer life. And if you have a spouse that can pray better than you, thank God. Thank God for them. Give them a prayer sign. Say, I need you to pray about that. And when you're done, I'll say amen. <laughs> Don't make it deep. Make this faith lifestyle work for you. Get into agreement about these things. And one thing to always remember, always, always remember, is praying for those who are in authority. Pray for the city council, pray for the mayor, pray for the governor, pray for the local representatives, pray for the Congress, pray for the president, pray for the Supreme Court, pray for all of them, all of them. Whether they're in the party you're part of or not, whether you like what they have to say or not, whether you voted for them or not, it is your job to pray for them, not out of emotion, but pray for them based on the word of God. Your prayers, if you start praying this way for your loved ones and for those who are in authority, it causes tremendous power to be made available. As we're already halfway through our 21 days of prayer and fasting, make this update to your prayer life when you're praying for others. We're not praying for them because we're afraid of what will happen. We're praying for them because we know what's going to happen because we pray. And your prayers, even if it seems like they're, oh, I don't know if it's working. I've prayed so long for them. Don't get into that mentality. It's working. It's working. Some of you praying for loved ones you don't even talk to on a regular basis. And you may be surprised this Thanksgiving. They start telling you that they went to church. So you <laughs> went to church. Oh, really? What happened? Yeah. I went to the altar. You went to the altar, and yeah, I began to talk in a language I don't understand. He's like, oh, look at Jesus did it. God knows how to get them. God knows how to get them. It's not your job to figure it out. It's your job to pray it out. Stand to your feet. I just want you to have an effective prayer life where prayer is not your religious exercise, but your prayers get answered. That things change when you pray. That's why the enemy wants to distract you from praying. You may wonder, say, why does everything just pop off when I start to pray? Because your prayer life has power. And don't think, well, I have to get into a prayer closet where nobody can disturb me and pray. That would be nice. But if you married and got kids, That's a rare thing. <laughs> it really is. Because he's like, well, I'm going to wake up early. And that's the day your kids wake up early. <laughs> I'm like, you went to bed late. I did that on purpose. So that I could wake up early. Why are you awake? But not every circumstance around you has to be perfect to have a powerful prayer life. I remember one day I was praying about something. And I just kept getting interrupted, kept getting interrupted. And I almost kind of turned back to God. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm trying. And you know what he said to me? He says, I don't mind you being a husband or a father. It didn't disturb him that I had a pause to talk. I just went right back to him and prayed. God will partner with you in your life. You don't have to be in a moment of solitude to hear from God. I still remember another time. I'm praying. This is a Saturday night. I'm praying about whatever I'm supposed to preach on Sunday morning. And my kids were playing this game where one grabs one leg, the other one grabs the other leg, and they want me to walk around the house with them, right? 
So I'm walking around the house praying about church tomorrow. It's <laughs> walking like this, praying. And on the inside, the Lord gives me a vision and says, this is what I'm going to do among the people tomorrow. So he's partnering with me in a supernatural way while my kids are having the time of their lives. <laughs> Everything doesn't have to be this super deep moment to partner with the Holy Ghost. He wants to partner with you in the midst of your life. So whether your prayer time is over the stove while everybody is talking to you and you stirring, you pray. Whether your time of prayer might be in the car, all the kids are singing all their kitty songs, coca melons on full blast. <laughs> but that's your time to pray. The Holy Spirit will partner with you in your life. Just make room for him. See, we're going into the holiday season where it concerns your life. Make room for him. Yes, we know the story how there's no room for him in the inn in Bethlehem. Don't let that be said about your life. Make room for him. As the song goes, every heart, prepare him room. Prepare him room. Find time throughout the day to turn to him. Find time to pray. Find time, even if it's interrupted, to keep on praying. This is a lifestyle. This is a partnership with the God who loves you. He has need of you in prayer. So partner with him. There's a part of prayer where you're talking to God, and there's a part of prayer where God is working through your prayer. God always wants to hear from you. But God needs you to step up to the place where he can work through your prayer. And some of the keys we gave today and last week and we'll give next week will get you to the place where God can work through your prayer. That's not just doing these 21 days of prayer and fasting where you get spiritual work done. But every day, you're getting the work done. Every day, you're making a change, not just your life or your family's life, but your community and the places God has assigned you to be. God needs a praying people. And here at Faith, he has found one. People who are willing to partner with God. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encouraged you and is to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith and we know you'll receive an answer according to the word of God. Once again, thank you for streaming this message. And remember, God has a great plan for your life and something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles. God bless.